What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of 21 Going On 77. It's your boy. I'm the old man of the crew, Dwight, at 517-2214. And I'm joined by my host, Miss SJ, at SJ Basketball number eight. And we're here to get this another episode off, um, basically get these takes off about things that pertain to the world of the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA as a whole. So I uh, appreciate, uh, I'm gonna always start from the top, thanking the listeners for rocking with us. Third episode was our most listened to episode. Uh, numbers keep going up and we ain't even on Apple yet. Might have to change our podcast service host to make that happen, but we appreciate the people who are listening. Um, we, you know, we when I started this, I didn't think this would go up this fast, but here we are. So we appreciate y'all. Thank you, everyone. Yes, yes. So we gonna get into it this episode. You know, nothing really seismic happened in the world of Mavs land for the Mavs directly. Finally. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> it's been straight weeks of drama. So yeah. A, a break was cool. Exactly. It, it was cool. Um, one little bit, uh, I guess we are potentially hiring Sean Sweeney. Yes. He was uh, he was up in Milwaukee with Jason Kidd. Um, it's been reported that he, you know, was the uh, player development coach for Giannis. He's essentially Giannis's Jamal Mosley, um, from my understanding, guy who he's closest with on that initial coaching staff. So apparently we were bringing him in. I've heard mixed messages, you know, my connection to Pistons Twitter and the Pistons as a whole. You know, my dad liked him quite a bit. Pistons fans liked him quite a bit. But apparently Milwaukee fans, I guess he's the architect of that crazy defense they ran so they like hey y'all good luck with him so um when it comes in my opinion when it comes to assistant coaches for teams i don't follow every day it's kind of hard for me to and even the teams we do follow it's kind of hard to know who do what so i take it he seems to be well respected around the league so i'll take it yeah, I'll, I'll take it too. At first, I was a little like annoyed by it because it, it felt like Kid was just bringing his guys back, you know, like from his failed stops. So I was kind of like, you know, why bring a guy? You know, why are you doing that? <laughs> kind of like, why are you? But, you know, Pistons fans, like I said, I've seen, I've heard, I've seen good things, you know, about what he can do as far as player development. So, um, it's fine by me. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is somewhat, <laughs> I guess it broke last night, but it, it pretty much got finalized this morning. Our guy, young Jamal Mosley, uh, it's pretty much been announced that he's definitely going to be the coach of the Orlando Magic. Uh, me and SJ was chopping it up before the pod started. Uh, <laughs> duh, he, it's, it's funny because you know, I think we mentioned it on a previous pod that when Ray got fired, when Jamal, uh, Jason Kidd got hired, and even Nico got hired, folks, other folks in the league, you know, said stuff. 
but no current Mavericks player said anything about Rick. Like, I think that, to me, that silence spoke volumes. And then no one was excited when Jason Kidd came in. But, boy, I tell you, everybody was happy for Jamal. And uh, that's funny to me because, you know, there was a lot of, well, Lucas in Slovenia and Europe, and he ain't paying attention to what's going on out here. Well, he's still there now, and he shows, spoke on, I think it was 20 minutes after Jamal Mosley. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like he got that, congrats, coach, my guy. And I think, man, to me, that, I, oof, you know, I'm Johnson not – Yeah, Johnson, Johnson said something too. Exactly. And – like I even even tall man, if you remember that video where you know Jamal won that game and they hit him with the water, man, tall man was so happy to pour that water on him. I ain't seen him smile like that in his NBA career. I think even tall man rocked with Jamal Mosley, and that that says a lot because tall man don't seem like he like nothing. And I, I I just pray, I hope and I pray that we are not because you know how Cuban is. Cuban always tries to correct his mistake like years down the road. So I can totally see him hiring Mosley five years down the road after Luka done left and we got to rebuild and then he makes the hire. Like I'm trying not to go darkest timeline, but fam, I, I could totally see that. Yeah. Very like Cuban. Exactly. Exactly. So shout out to our guy, Coach Mose. Um, I hope they give him a, a long leash. You know, they got the fifth and eighth pick. They got, I guess, Cole Anthony and uh, Jonathan. Mark Health, yeah, they got Fultz coming back. And um, Hampton. Again, to be honest, the only one of the only one of the young boys that I, I got any faith in is Cole Anthony to turn it into something for real. Crazy. I here's it. I like their group. I don't like their group. I don't think they're gonna like do anything. <laughs> obviously, next yeah, year. Yeah. But they can see. I, I think they're in a good spot where they have like, especially like they, I think they have like a lot of guards and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think I think they have enough at each position ish to kind of evaluate what they have and say hmm, who can stay, who can go. So I like Markel. You know, he's obviously not gonna be a star like projected. But he, he he was looking nice. Like he could he could give you I could see seventeen you know a game on the year with a couple assists like six assists. Like I, I like their guys. I like some of their guys. Damn, you have so much more faith in Markel Fultz than I do. I, and I I, now, I saw something last season, and then he started off so strong before that ACL. T- like he started yeah. off real strong. So I I see something. I do see something. I, I, I for, you know for my guy Mosley say. I hope you were right. I'm praying <laughs> that you were right. Um, but I mean, with the fifth and eighth pick, I mean, that's, that's hell, that's 40% of your start lineup. Um, yeah. So we we going to see how that goes. Maybe they package it up and move it up. Maybe Jonathan Isaac stay healthy. I think for a young team, I think Moles, from a relationship standpoint, would be perfect. So uh, I got a Pistons been my young squad for a while i guess i gotta adopt the magic into that too so add another team to the to the league pass rankings okay so off with i guess outside news we gonna topics we're gonna get into um i guess kind of do like a free agency profile 
two folks we gonna hit this episode, uh, Spencer Dimwitty and John Collins. Um, we're gonna start with Jonathan, young John Collins, cause reading that athletic article where they spoke to the uh, owner, yeah, man, I, I I don't think they, I think it's 50-50 if he's coming back. I, they, I mean, and the owner, I kind of, if I was a Hawks fan, I don't know how I would feel about this, but it was some real talk. He's like, yeah, we'll go pay the tax if we're a very good team making it to the finals every year, but I'm not paying the tax to get packed up in the first or second round every year. And you know, I'm just a fan. It's not my money, but I can tell, I respect that. Like, I ain't about to give that man a max just to give him a max when I got to give a, a, a max to Trey. They got to pay Herter. They got to pay, uh, shoot, they got to pay Herter, excuse me, and Hunter all in the next 24 months. And you know what Trey gonna get? You, uh, I think Herter is a twenty million dollar player in today's NBA, and I think DeAndre Hunter is a twenty million dollar player in today's NBA. A Congo yeah. too. He, he, he coming I, exactly, and you you already got uh, you got Bogey on the books. Um, Gallo is gonna fall off. Gallo, based for all intents and purposes, the expiring contract after this year. But you still got Clint as well. So, man, I don't, they're going to have to make some hard decisions. And I, I kind of, because I'm passionate about the Mavs, like I said, I'd probably be angry if Mark Cuban came out and said some shit like that. But at least he letting y'all know in advance. So we ain't, y'all ain't delusional. Uh, let Hawks fans know that they ain't about to keep everybody and, and have one of the highest $160 million on the cap. So, uh, I say all that to get into John Collins. So here's what we know. That man turned down four years, $90 million. That breaks down to $22.5 million per year. Uh, last year, he averaged about 17 points. I'm going to round up, so I'll say nine rebounds. Shot 40% from three on a decent amount of attempts. You know, obviously, you know, 55, 56% from the field. Uh, defensively, got to keep it real. In my opinion, he was worth one of the worst defensive bigs in the league. Yes. But he tightened up. He did get better. I think he's le he's a league average big defensively now. So, SJ, I ask this question to you because I – I've kind of spoken out against it already, but I, I want to get your take. Where, what, what, I guess, salary cap structure, and not only salary cap structure, like roster management structure, I should say, what dollar amount would you slot John Collins? What would you pay? What would you feel comfortable with him taking to come to the Mavs? And what do you want the team around him and Luca looking like? to win a championship. Okay, so I'll start off by saying that I think Atlanta, what they did at like the begin, beginning of the season when they told everyone that, hey, you know, us and John Collins is not a done deal because they kind of hinted at that, like that 
they might trade him during a season. And then he kind of had, a, I would say, like an up and down ish season. Like obviously his counting stats went down, but obviously the team was better for it. And because um, they had, you know, other shots to distribute to all the talent that they brought in. So, and then they drafted, you know, Onyeka, who plays, you know, pretty much a similar position as John Collins. So, like, all signs are pointing that they won't keep him. But then, you know, he had a good playoff run, I would say. And now the narrative is like, oh, how could Atlanta not keep him? So, right now, I do think what might happen is a sign-in trade. Atlanta, I don't think they're going to have him walk for nothing. Like, I don't think they're going to just not match an offer sheet I, I think it would be a situation where it's a sign and trade and for me I went kind of back and forth on this during the season but if I like John Collins come to the Mavs it has to be in a situation where Porzingis is not on the team we, we can't have both <laughs> so that's that's where I am it's kind of like an either or and I think at this point you could kind of say that Collins, I think you can make the definitive statement that Collins is better than Porzingis today. <laughs> like, do, do you agree with that statement? Yes. I, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I whole, I just, <sighs> this is my thing. I don't think, I don't think John Collins could be the second best player on a championship team. Yeah, definitely not. But I definitely think he could start on any championship team. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. I don't know if Porzingis can. I don't. I think there's legitimately t- good teams where Porzingis can't play 30 minutes a night or play down the stretch in the playoffs because he's that bad defensively. And John Collins, I know is not a good defender, and I have been killing him for his defense for a very long time. But he's all right now. Porzingis. But Here's the thing. Could you? Because here's here's where they're so different. To me, Collins, like, yeah, he plays small ball five, but he he's a power forward. You know, right. Porzingis, like, you can say, yeah, he's a power forward, but center defensively, like, he has that tween issue that Collins doesn't have. Right. So, Collins can definitely play next to like a rim protecting big in Capella, which he did. So I think that. That is also why his defensive numbers kind of boosted. Because, you know, we all know if you have a dominant, like, big defensively, your perimeter, like, defenders can play more aggressively because they know they got a guy on the back line that can clean stuff up. So I think it helps. It definitely helped him to have Capella, you know, next to him defensively. So that that's why if i i think if we bring in collins it has to be an either or situation like either porzingis is gone for something else and collins is our starting power forward and then you'd have to kind of find a rim protecting big that can play behind him so with that being said for a dollar amount i am out on giving him a max because he at the same time like He's better than Porzingis, but at the same time, he presents similar issues in the fact that he can't create his own shot either. Like, if you watch the Hawks games, you know, it's pretty much Trey feeding him buckets. You know, he has a he has a post-game, you know, a little turnaround jumper. That's cool, but at the same time, that he's not. That's not his 
you know, I would say bread and butter. Like he's not killing the game from there. So he's not as consistent. So we we get on Porzingis for being inconsistent, which he is. John Collins is kind of the same way too. He'll like go on stretches where he's putting up single digits and then go on like a 15 plus point, you know, points per game stretch. So he he's pretty inconsistent in that way as well. But at the same time, no one's a perfect player. So you have to take good with the bad. And I think Collins is good kind of outweighs Porzingis's in the sense that I think he fits better with Luca. Like he's athletic. We don't have athletes on the Mavs. It's been this way for a while. You know, we got Dennis Smith Jr. for a little bit, but obviously he left. Yeah, I feel like the Mavs, we don't have guys that could just, you know, jump out the building and stuff like that. And as much as, you know, that's not all to the game of basketball, you know, you have the skills versus, you know, <laughs> the skills versus, you know, Harden, Giannis comparisons and run and dunk. So... I think athletes are still having an athlete on your roster is still important. And I think he just fits with Luca. Like he likes to roll to the rim as opposed to pop in. And it seems like Luca likes a rim rolling big as opposed to like a stretch, you know, popping big. So he, he fits better there. And I think, like I said, he, he's a true power forward and you don't have the, you can play small ball five with him and have it work in small stretches, but yeah, no, definitely you would need um, a center next to him. Definitely. Yeah. So, in terms of dollar amount, I, I didn't answer the question, but yeah, definitely not a max. And I would say no more than like 24 mil. I think that's like my cutoff point. Like, if he starts talking about 25, 20, that's when I would have to be like, okay, <laughs> this is a little too much. But. I would say 24 mil annually is my cutoff point for John Collins. Yeah, uh, I think um, I'm, I'm a, I, I joke about it. We got to start disagreeing here, but <laughs> that's about where I'm at. Um, he already declined. So just for clarity's sake, oh, yeah, just for clarity's sake, his max would be five years with an average of 31.25 million that's his max if he stays in atlanta i think it goes down to about four years and like 30 a little over 30 per year if he isn't signed and traded and just signs to uh, another team using cap space i think his number would start at 27 with the max raises he could get it, it basically ends up averaging to being bought. If you want John Collins on the max, if he's staying in Atlanta, it's 31 M's over five years. And if you sign a trade for him on the max, that's what it's looking like. And if you just sign him in a cap space, you're looking at about 30 M's on average over four. I'm, that's too rich for my blood. I probably, I give him a, a little bit more than what he declined earlier. I go between 23 to 24. But I'm not going higher than that because I think my my, my biggest issue, the reason why I, I, I don't want to go higher than that is like he passed some real cool stats. He was 20 and 10, 40% from the three on a bad team. When the team got better, like when they had them, when he's ever won anything in his career, he liked a fourth option, damn near fifth option. Like, with Trey was out and their season was on the line, 
they was going to bogey i mean not bogey gallo and bogey ahead of him because those are two dudes gallo as old as he is can still get a shot he can create a shot for himself no matter what against damn near anybody and that kind of made me nervous because i'm just like bro your team season on the line and they going to gal over you and you want to max that's what we doing Shot fingers matter in the post. I think people, like, if you're thinking, I think you have to think about 82 games versus 16 games. There's, in my opinion, not everyone in the league, they're not both. You know, you have some guys that, especially bigs, especially for bigs, it's it's a little more um, important and you see it more. You have some guys that can play the regular season fine, but when it's postseason time, it's a different ball game because shot creators matter in the postseason, so... John Collins might be not. I I think he had a pretty good showing in the playoffs. I don't think he had a bad playoff run by any means, but his playoff run kind of to me showed me he's more of a role player when it gets you know tight when it gets tight down the line. Like he he's good for some big shots. You know he hit some big corner threes. I won't lie, but the thing is he hit corner threes. He wasn't creating them. It was off of Trey's gravity, and he was wide open on damn near all of them. So he's more of a rule. So are you willing to pay another role player a max contract? And you know what I'm saying. So to me, they're similar. Yeah, he's a. I hate this phrase. Because the people who coined it in the maths Twitter space used it for a player that I don't think it applied to. But I think John Collins is a floor raiser, but I don't know if he raises your ceiling. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I hate basing everything on stats, but fam, like his production, I, he averaged. 13.9 points in the playoffs in like eight rebounds. And that's solid. God, God bless him. You know, decent percentage from three. But we know he ain't playing great defense. And it's just like, fam, I got to give you a max. Like, and I don't know what I'm about to say is going to sound ridiculous. I might even get packed up for it. But like, Dorian gave you 11 and six. And he ain't making no goddamn close to $25 million. And I know it's two different roles, but like he's essentially a role player on steroids. It's just for with Luca, that skill set would fit so perfect. It's like, you know what? I pay the juice, juice for it if if it's available. I think it, I mean, I think it starts with him and how he sees himself, like the fact that. You know, he turned out 490. He he definitely sees himself as a, you know, a star caliber player that could be an all-star. And, you know, that's fine. You know, always bet on yourself. But at the same time, I think, I mean, it sounded like, like in his exit game, I mean, his exit interview, it sounded like he was understanding, understanding his role in terms of Atlanta, like what he would do on an on the team that Atlanta has right now, how he said, you know, he'll play within his role, but I don't know if he would have the same sentiments if he moved to another team. Like if the Mavs brought him in, like I don't think the Mavs would bring John Collins in and frame it as them bringing in a good, you know, role player to help the team. I think they might frame it as, Oh, we're bringing in, you know, another guy that could be a star, you know, and grow along Luca. So with that being said, I'm not sure if he 
will accept himself as a role player. And that brings the issue of, I mean, I think you have a lot of good role players in the league that are getting paid, you know, good money. But other than Porzingis, you can't show me like a role player getting a max or at least that just got a max. I'm not talking about guys that are washed now, like a a John Wall or, you know, got injured or anything like that. I'm talking about like a, a guy that you can project to be and high end role player getting a max. I don't. I don't really see it. Yeah. I mean, I guess Otto Porter. <laughs> I would say him. He's probably the last, but he got paid during. Didn't he get paid during that ridiculous salary cap? Spot? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. He, oh, he, he, yeah. That was a unique situation. Yeah, but someone that projects to be a role player getting a max, I, I, I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it either. I, um, I really don't know. I've, I've flip-flopped back and forth whether he was leaving Atlanta because if if I was Atlanta, if he takes like 25 over four or five, I think they'll be able to get off him because the salary cap, COVID, you know, looking at projected salary cap increases over the next three to four years, the salary cap is going up again, right? So he's still young. Like he's still insanely young, right? And I think they'll, if I'm in Atlanta, I match anything up to like 24, 25. And I just keep them for a year. And then when money gets funny, if we don't win a championship, I go ahead and pack them up. Yep. And Yoko makes a jump too. Yeah. And the only reason why I may not do that is because if you look at it between Reddish, Hunter, and my man, you just said, uh, I, I don't want to butcher his name. Double O. Double O. But double O. There we go. Like, you got to get them dudes minutes because you got to pay them. Exactly. So you kind of want to, to me, the reason why I think there's a decent chance he does leave is you basically know what John Collins is in Atlanta at this point. And you don't know what them other cats. And they probably actually do have more talent. Uh, DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. I'm not saying they're better than John Collins is now. Hell, they may never be better than John Collins is. I'd say Hunter's better. (laughs) Well, yeah, right, right. Hunter's Hunter's a legit two-way force, right? Shit, I I ain't gonna hold you. Uh, Hunter might be their second best player. Like, might legitimately be their second best player before he got hurt. Like, I thought he was their second best player. He was showing, he was like a he was like Mikhail Bridges, but better. Like he was, right. like I won't say he's a better defender than Bridges, but he was showing like real off the bounce. Like he wasn't just getting fed by Trey. It wasn't like he was just yeah. like he was creating his shots. Like and he looked impressive. He so, he had uh, Julius Randle in fucking. He, it wasn't prison. prison. It was <laughs> under the. It was the fucking solitary confinement. Well, you don't you don't see the sunlight for for a playoff series. He had him locked the fuck up, bro. And it's like you gotta get him minutes. You need to see if he's getting twenty to if he's getting twenty to twenty five, or you gotta max his ass out too. So, a part of me is like, y'all just gotta facilitate a signing trade for John Collins, take a first round pick, and shake his hand and thank you, thank him for his services in Atlanta because. We got other boys to play play the minutes, and we need to know what they got. Because we know we—I hate to say it—I like John. I do think John is a worker. 
that's one thing I, as much as I've been off him, I respect that he works on his game. He does get better. He's a young dude that was chasing a bag that started to play defense. And he was a young dude that was chasing a bag that really didn't give a shit about not getting shots. He played hard every night. You can't, as much as I knock him for his production in the playoffs, his ad, it wasn't because he was folding or being going out like, oh, he just, he just, I hate to say it in a playoff environment, he just, he just, he's a limited player and those limitations showed up. Yep. So I think our, our consensus opinion is if we can get John for 23 to 24 for four years, even five, I think we do it. But once you get into that max 30 and up, Hey man, that's too rich for my blood. So that's our, our opinion on uh, young John Collins. Moving on to the second guy. And um, I listened to his interview recently. Um, he kind of, I won't say went viral, but in NBA Twitter where he was like, he brought up how the Nets could give him five for 125 and he would stay there. Or they, you know, if they came with, uh, 60 over three, you know, anybody could do that. Um, my guy, Spencer Dimwitty, um, I listened to that full interview and I heard that quote within context and it actually wasn't that bad. It actually made sense. And as I just listened to that brother talk and I just listened about what he's into, I want to make this statement. I want this to be recorded in the internet history. I think he's coming to Dallas. He just sounds like a Dallas player. He sounds like a dude that Mark Cuban is going to give a coaching job 10 years from now or 15 years from now. He sounds like a dude you're going to see viral pictures of Mark Cuban in the club with or them talking about cryptocurrency. He just sounds like a Mark Cuban player as after hearing that interview. Um, I, I really, really think he, he had, I think he's coming to Dallas. I'm not saying I want him to. I will. I like Spence. I wanted them to trade for his bird rights in the offseason. I mean, uh, at the trade deadline. But I'm not going to sit here and say he's like my number one pipe dream. But after this interview, man, he just sounds like a Mark Cuban guy. You know Cuban has his guys. and That's just what he sounds like. So I actually think Spence is coming. Um, the money in which I think Spence is coming so if you listen to the interview, he was bringing up other people and what they made, like what a starting point guard in the NBA that can average 20 points a game makes. And I was kind of like, hey, man, you ain't as good as them dudes. But he kind of raised a good point, like a starting point guard that can average 20 points a game on a playoff team. He referenced, uh, what was it? Well, two years ago, two seasons ago now. He's like, man, that's a twenty-two to a twenty to twenty-five million dollar a year player, and I think that's what we like. If we can get him at, you know, I don't know if we're gonna go the full four years with his injury history. Even outside of the ACL, he's coming off. He, he kind of, you know, he he had, he was injury prone even before that. So, I still think. If you can give me Spence at 20 to 23 over three years, sign me up. And I I think that's about what he's going to get to come here. Yeah, I, I said no more than 21 
preference for um Dinwiddie just because I I do like Dinwiddie. Any ball handler that can you know create their shot and even you know he can play make. I I'm not gonna be too picky about it. Obviously he has his you know he's can't shoot <laughs> he can't really shoot you know career I think it's thirty percent from three like it's it's spooky <laughs> so. I'm not going to harp too much on the things he can't do because he does fill holes. And I think, you know, obviously he can run with a bench unit with Brunson. He could play next to Brunson because, you know, he's a big guard. And I, I, I don't mind it, but going over, like, for Dinwiddie, especially like you said, he's, you know, he has an injury history. And if it's, if it's only, th- like, three years, I wouldn't mind going up to 23. But personally, like... I like the 20 to 21 range exceeding that is, is real. It's going to be real hard because at the same time, like I said, you copying and pasting production, you can't really do that team, team by team, especially um with role players. So yeah, Spencer averaged pretty much 20 on the nets, but he was taking a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. He was, he was handling the ball. Like he, he was taking a lot of shots. In Dallas, obviously, he's not going to be, like, dominating the ball as he used to in Brooklyn. So he's not going to he's not going to average 20, I don't think, in Dallas. I could see him averaging, you know, 17, 16, depending on if he's, you know, really running with the bench units. But, you know, I think 21, that's that's a that's a nice amount. I think I, I think about him like Timmy you know, getting the same amount of money, even though Spencer is a better player. Yeah, um, I, I kind of look at it. There, I, I dug into his numbers a little bit after I heard that interview because I'm like, this man sounds like, he just sounds like a Mark Cuban guy. So let me make sure. Because I looked at his shoe numbers and I'm like, man, he, he, he he be letting them bitches fly like he wet too. That's something else that I think it's shot selection. Like he was shooting like six a game at like he at I hate to say it, Russell Westbrook type percentages. It's like, hey fam, maybe you should shoot them, especially because he's good in the mid range. Like, yeah. hey man, just step in. Like you don't have to keep shooting them threes. So he's actually decent at catch and shoot. He's like 37 to 38%. And, you know, playing next to Luca, you're going to get a lot of catch and shoot opportunities. Yeah. And the threes he was shooting in Brooklyn, it was all him off the dribble, yeah. off the dribble dude sitting in his lap, step back, cross over, those type threes. And he frankly shot more of them than he should have. And I think... um. I think that would get cleaned up. Now, I do still get a little bit nervous, like you said. You can't copy and paste production from one team or one situation to the next. But I do think, I don't know, I I think it will work here. Um, Just following, I know it's social media, and we don't know these dudes, but he was one of the dudes that believed in Luka ahead of time. He's one of the few dudes in the league that still somewhat speaks up in a positive way about Porzingis, according to his Twitter, Twitter timeline. So I don't know. I, th- I think if you had to, like I said, 
I think he's coming one way or another. I think he's going to end up here in Dallas unless something crazy happens with the Clippers where they figure out some way to get him there or he just decides to take the MLE. I just think that. And I don't, and I, and I don't think that's happening. Because, I don't think it, yeah, I saw something that said he wanted to be in L.A. Like, yeah. Yeah, from all reports, but I don't think, like like I said, I don't think the Lakers or Clippers do all that maneuvering to get a Spencer Dinwiddie. You know, no no offense to him, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you have to do do a lot of work to get a Spencer Dinwiddie on their team. And, I mean, do you think, since you said, I mean, by all accounts, it looks like we both agree that Dinwiddie won't be in Brooklyn next season. So do you think that the Nets will facilitate a sign-in trade? for Dinwiddie to whatever yes they have to they're so capped out they have so they can't lose even Spencer Dinwiddie and not get nothing in return their their situation is they gotta even if you give them like seconds you give them a guy even if he's like the 7th 8th man off the bench they have to get something for Spence to facilitate that transaction something yeah, I saw Nets Nets fans because I, I follow a couple, and they they want my boy Dorian Finney-Smith real bad. No. Like they, anytime no. they talk about a signing trade with Dallas, they they want Finney-Smith. No, no, nah, nah, I'm not doing that. In low key. I'm not doing that either. Hey, like I don't. This is uh, I've been like now that we a couple weeks out from the emotions of the season. I just been kind of going back and watching the games because like when you watching that shit live, it's so personal. It's so emotional. You can't even really evaluate it objectively because, like, in the heat of the moment, you screaming, you yelling, you got, you know, your adrenaline is pumping. And it's like, Doc, Dorian is good. He is no star. He is not, he is not a superstar. And I don't think he's a guaranteed starter on a championship team, but he's at worst the sixth, seventh man on the championship team. Like, he can fit everywhere, in my opinion. Like, he's almost like, and when you look at his salary side, Dory make $4 million. Like, the the biannual exception is like 3.5, and it's going to be 3.7 this year. I'm talking about, that's like, we talking about damn near minimum money. And I also look at it, something else, and this is where, Maybe I am being too emotional about it, but with the season on the line, two straight years, Dorian showed up. He out he dramatically outperformed his talent. Yep. His talent. And he wasn't scared. He played hard. He figured out ways to help the team in every way he could for two straight years. And players like that, bro, as we see, I don't care how good your stars are, you need them role players that when the shit get thick. They ain't scared, and they're going to play hard, and they can show up. They do have what? What do you have game seven? I think it's like 16 and 12 or something crazy. Yeah, I remember he had 18 in um, last last season. Yeah. So this is now – Both times. Yeah, exactly. So this is two straight season with the season on the line, and this winner go home. He stepped up, and you just – that is so, so important if we trying to win a championship. I know he don't got that much talent. I know he can't dribble. And I know he's only, at most, he's going to get you about 10, 11 points as a regular season player. But 
You really need that with the, with the money on the line because somebody's going to get hurt. So a star going to sprain an ankle. And you need them role players that the moment don't get too big for them. So, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't even – I don't want to give up Dorian. Like, it got to be a star star for me to give up Dorian. Like, and then even as you look at keeping him moving forward, like, how much money is he really going to make? You know what I'm saying? Like – I think he can get maybe an MLE. Exactly. So I and I think he's worth that. So yeah. you look at it, he only makes four million. You go into the next offseason, his cap hold is only gonna be like seven, seven and a half. Man, you go ahead and ride it out with Dorian. I'm not i I'm not trading Dorian unless it's a star. Like for real star, we get rid of Dorian and upgrade to this guy. And it's just like this is a second or hands down third best player on the championship team because he his value versus his contract and just hell his value period is just too it's it's, it's legit man it is yeah it is okay. um one oh, oh i know we touched on this cat and i haven't talked to you about this yet but i do i do want to because I, I looked i don't know how it popped up but Man, I don't think DeMar is going to be as expensive as we think he is. And here's my reasoning for it. Hmm. He just opted in last year to one year in like 27 and a half to stay in San Antonio. And the market, as far as available cap space and as far as available teams with cap space, I mean, there's a few more teams with cap space this year, but it ain't really, it ain't like as a whole lot more. It was like nine teams with a lot of cap space. I'm sorry, six teams last year. And it's like nine teams this year. I don't think DeMar is getting that crazy big bag. I, I actually don't because he's if because the only reason he would opt in at his age to one year and 27 is because nobody was going to give him multiple years of that money. But here's the here's a counter to that. I see we disagree here. <laughs> um, okay. Last last season before he opted in he wasn't this good like he was still good but he wasn't I think this is one of his I think this is his best San Antonio season like he he was in all-star talks you know last year he was definitely not in any all-star talks (laughs) like he wasn't brought up but this year I think he showed you know he he was playmaking I, I think he's better this season so I think I think last season it was more of a self-awareness thing. Everyone thought that he was just going to rot, you know, rot in San Antonio and die. So he just, you know, took his money because he knew that next year he could probably get more while getting, you know, money this year. So I I do think he's still going to get I, – I don't know Max. Max, I, I don't know about a Max. And I never thought he would really get a Max. But, you know, like I said, there's teams that have a shit ton of money that, you know, San Antonio might just resign him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they have a lot of money to spend. And Knicks, Knicks might just say, hey, let's do it if they, you know, swing and miss on somebody else. So I, th- I think he, he would still get a lot of money because he, he was better this year. Yeah, we're going to disagree on that, Playboy. <laughs> I, uh, I, I disagree because, like, his, his numbers were about the same. The team won about the same amount of games. I, he became, you know, his assists went up and where I give, like I said, we, I give Pop his flowers for like, bro, you just a point, we putting you out there with 
wings and one big. We're not even gonna try yeah. to do two bigs. You were effectively playing a four, and I it that did look good, but like I think he was his effectiveness in that role, like you said, was because that was a unique situation. And that's the peak. I think what he was last year is the peak of what you're getting from DeMar DeRozan. I agree with that. But like the teams, you know, like I said, you, you kind of have to spend your money yeah, on, yeah. on what's there. And he's of, of the free agents that are there. He's one of the, you know, top names in the class. So I think this class being what it is helps you know is going to help him that's why i felt for vio because you know with him getting injured again he was gonna be like if he had rehabbed well and if he didn't get injured again and showed something in miami he was gonna be like one of the top names <laughs> this year yeah. he gets yeah. hurt and now it's like what is like damar like you said um dinwiddie like those those are guys that are cool but they're not even stars <laughs> you know yeah. so he, there's there's teams with some money that just might have to give it give it to him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. the, the thing is like Oladipo at his worst when he was actually on the court was probably <laughs> like his floor was probably what Spence's just regular play is you know what <laughs> I mean and that's yeah I, I think Vic is going to be interesting Vic is going to be interesting but I'm kind of exhausted on uh DeMar DeRozan discussion I just I, I saw when he uh opted in like where he where he took that money and it's like man I don't know if the market didn't think he would get multiple years 12 12 months ago and he's a year older are they is the market going to give him more money this year when he had a similar season from a production winning standpoint but we'll see we'll see it, it's going to be interesting um, the thing is, while I don't, I question DeMar's fit as a basketball player, I like him so much as a dude that I, I want to see him win one way or another. So I hope he gets his bag and I hope he gets in a winning situation. I really do. Uh, moving on. So we kind of been killing K Mac, uh, tall man, <laughs> pretty much since we've recorded this podcast. Um, Every time I try to be analytical, I try to remove my emotions about Porzingis. I just keep coming back to when he was shooting them shots when Luka missed the games. And it makes me angry all over again. So I'm going to concede to the listeners and you, I can't talk about him rationally because I get angry. I get angry every single time when I think about that whole yeah, the, we play better defense because the ball moved. What type of shit does that even? What are what are we? What we play better defense because the ball moved. Fuck out of here. Anyway, <laughs> with that being said, I don't want to like my guy Bibbs, uh, <laughs> Bibbs and Reese. Man, Bibbs packed tall man up for uh, Kevin Love and Dylan Wimbler. And I'm like, fam, <laughs> I'll be willing to, I'll be willing to fight uh, tall man, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, no way. Right, like I, I, it ain't that bad. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are, like Bib's not a hot take dude. He ain't a, 
I say shit in that situation just to say it. he's not a, emotional when it comes to stuff like that. And I think he dead ass would do that. I really do. I, th- I think he will too. <laughs> yeah, and, and it made me realize like, fam, I think Tall Man has had that effect on all of us. Like, we just... <sighs> What is your what what are you getting off KP for? Give me a somewhat plausible situation, knowing his flaws, knowing where we at. What are you what's acceptable for you in a KP trade? So to me, I'm at the point where I mean, obviously I don't think you're getting a star back. Like people, there are some people who are like, oh, I'm not trading KP until, uh, if we're not getting a star back. I'm like, well, he's going to be on the team then. <laughs> right, that's right. Like, it's, but it's not like it's a Ben Simmons situation where people are pretending like, you know, you're not getting anything back from him. Like you can get a star back from, for Ben Simmons right now. Like you can, <laughs> you know, like Porzingis, I don't think so. I don't think that's the case because at least Ben, He's still a defensive player of the year candidate. Like, we're talking shit, but he still has that, you know, going for him. Porzingis, he doesn't really have much going for him right now, <laughs> like, if we're being honest. Like, he he doesn't have much to say. Well, at least he's, like, elite at that thing. Like, he doesn't have that right now. <laughs> he's not, like, despite people think he's, like, a an elite shooter, he's not an elite shooter. Like, he has range. He has deep range for a big guy, and you still have to guard him beyond the three-point line, but he's not elite at shooting. But that's besides the point. The point is um, his value is not as high where you can say, oh, I want a star back. So to me, I think getting at least one really good role player or two like decent role players, I'm fine with. When you start to get to like the 10th man's and 9th man's of the rotation, that's when I'm like, all right, you're doing, you know, you're doing too much. But like, uh let's see i'm trying to find a like okay so for for example not that i would want this trade to happen but let's say they're trying to do like a one for one swap really with buddy heel and kp but i know you might have to match a little bit more salary so they throw in somebody from the end of their bench so you know buddy heel somebody from the end of their bench with porzingis in like a second let's just say I like that's a one, you know, kind of like a a one for one deal that I'm not mad at. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, Buddy, like Porzingis is a super role player at this point to me. And Buddy is a role player. He's, I don't want to say he's a super role player, but he's a role player. And I think the situations that they're both in swapped, it would be beneficial for them both. So if you put Porzingis on the Kings, he's going to get more shots. And he's gonna, um, I don't know. He's he's probably gonna play better because he doesn't have to play with somebody he don't like. <laughs> right. So that's that's that. And then Buddy Heal, you know, he's gonna be playing. He's you know he we know he's elite at shooting, and he can do some off the dribble stuff. So he's gonna get a lot of you know shots, a lot of catch and shoot shots. So he'd be probably better, um, in Dallas than you know in Sacramento. So that's a one for you know one deal that I'd be cool with. But getting it doesn't have to. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be like a role player like Buddy Hill. If you're giving me, like, I know this will never happen because Rick is in Indiana now, and <laughs> they're probably not going to trade for us, trade with us. Um, but like, let's say we package Porzingis for like a. I know the money doesn't match, but let's just say that you're getting like a Doug McDermott and a and like a. 
TJ McConnell for like a poisoning. Like I'll take two good role players for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. Two good role players or one super role player for him, and that's that's what I'll be comfortable with. Yeah, I, I, I'm of two minds with it. So if you can, uh, like San Antonio can just eat KP, like they ain't got to send shit back. You just give them KP and we get cap space. I would do that. That's where I'm at. Mm. I would also, like, I literally would just to just get off his money. I think in this marketplace, I think if, and I know, oh God, playing powder, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I think in this marketplace with Nico's connections and as much as I don't like Jason Kidd, dudes in the league like Jason Kidd. So I think with, if we had enough money to play with, if we had Porzingis' money to play with, I just, I think we would get something better than KP. I think we'd get something better than uh, role players. I don't think that's realistic, though. But then again, if San Antonio strikes out on everybody, they got to pay somebody. And I know they wanted him before. Who knows? But that, to me, is the most semi-realistic thing that isn't really realistic that I would... I'd be happy, and then KP would like it because he'd get shots. All them dudes can play defense, so they could pretty much hide him. Well, I won't say you can't hide a big that is that bad defensively, but he wouldn't have a rough of a time. Like KP, even when he was playing good defense in Dallas, was pretty much the defense by himself, if we're being honest. And even at his reduced role, I think the reason why he looked so bad this year was because we all, we don't have any really good perimeter defenders like that. And he fell off. So it looks, it made him look so much worse than what he really is. So that's something where I think he would be happy. The Mavs will be happy and San Antonio was maybe happy, but I don't know. Um, from a, sh- as we move to like guys who have, make comparable money I would trade him for. I also think, I know there's some fear because KP is injury prone and Zion is injury prone, but from a basketball standpoint, man, they kind of fit perfect. Like, I, I think if you gave me, because I they, they have said... Steven Adams, please do not say Steven Adams. Here's the thing. I don't want Steven Adams because he can play basketball. I just think Steven Adams is going to be the tax to get something good. Oh, no. So, okay, we going, like, if we do, and this is where we're taking a couple steps back, potentially, to make a step forward. I think if you trade KP for Steven Adams, uh, Eric Bledsoe, I want Jackson Hayes, because I think Jackson Hayes is a rim-running five that I think would flourish with Luka. And you could get a first-round pick because I think from a – they basically, they got that dead money anyway, right? So that money's dead. They they got $30 million locked up in Eric Bledsoe and uh, 
and Steven Adams the next couple years anyway. So you might as well take on another year and get an actual real basketball fit with Porzingis. And I actually do think Porzingis will get enough shots. Um, he's not going to be able to create like he would, but I actually think he would get enough shots. Now, between B.I., Zion, and him, nobody else is getting any shots on that team. They <laughs> literally would get all the shots, but I actually think that would work. I know that sounds crazy, but I think it would. I mean, it could, but I, 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 I don't want Adams. Adams is not good. <laughs> I know. Listen, listen. I didn't even say Adams got to play. I just know they gotta turn that salary. A small market like New Orleans, they gotta turn. Dog, that's thirty million dollars of mid they got. And if they can turn that to Porzingis with even all his problems, I think they'll give you a good young player and some picks. I'm not even saying Adams will be in our rotation. I'm just being realistic about what caliber of player you're getting. Like, Adams ain't what we're trading for. We're trading for his contract, and we're dumping Porzingis. Adams uh, got two more years at 17 per. Bledsoe got two more years, but that last year is partially guaranteed. So we are getting Jackson Hayes, who I like, and a first-round pick. Basically, it's getting off Christos Porzingis a year early and getting a first-round pick in Jackson Hayes and taking back bad money. Does that make sense? That's really the trade. And I, I maybe, who knows? Like, Eric Bledsoe ain't good, but he ain't a dumpster fire. I, was about to, I, I feel like, here's the thing, that makes sense if, if we weren't trying, like, at this point, how we classify Dallas as a team that's trying to win right now. You know what I mean? So that would make sense if, like, if all these reports weren't coming about about people trying to win and, you know, like, stuff like that. I feel like that would make sense in that scenario, but not, like, Jackson Hayes is a project. Yeah. Yeah. He can't play. Away a guy in Porzingis that as much as he has problems, he can he can play. You know what I mean? He can play right now, and he's starting for somebody that can't eat as many minutes in Jackson Hayes because he will get exposed. Same thing with Steven Adams and then Bledsoe. So to me, you're trading away a, a productive player for, I guess, future gains, and I'm not sure if that's the direction. Yeah, I think the Mavs have to really, like, really sit down and think about what their direction is and stick with it. Because last year, I feel like they were trying to do both, where they were trying to, you know, build for the future and win now. And clearly, it didn't really work out because you were a first-round exit and, you know, yay, um, that's good experience. But at the same time, you have no picks. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have no picks. Um your players they're not really that young only a couple of them and you're kind of stuck in I won't say purgatory but you're 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 not in purgatory but you're you know close to it so I think you have to solidify a direction and I think you know with Luca being as good as he is even though he's young I think the direction should be getting like as many productive players as possible because to me, especially this playoff run, it shows me, like, unless you have, like, a, you know, a LeBron, 
you know, or Katie or something on your team, like, or a stacked team, you have to have, I know Luca, you know, is that guy, but you have to have like a good deep roster to supplement him. Cause all the teams that went far, even last season and this season, they had deep like rosters. Atlanta was deep as hell. The Suns are really deep. You know, the Miami team last year that went to the finals, they were deep. Um, Den- Denver was pretty deep last year, you know, obviously not this year. But yeah, you need you need productive players. And I think trading Porzingas for people that can't play for you know as a salary dump. I'm not like a huge fan of that. I feel you. That that totally makes sense. That that totally makes sense. Um man, what we just talked about is why I'm like, dude, he's gonna be here one way or another. Yeah. Cause I just I just think it's more likely that he and as much as we hate to say it he entered the offseason healthy and if you look at his missed games the bulk of his missed games the last few years have come at the beginning of seasons because he finished the previous season hurt right so if he just comes into a season healthy and has even has the normal amount of injuries he's had in Dallas that didn't involve being out at the start of the season. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think um, I, I I just don't know where he's at mentally with Luca. That's really the the billion dollar question because I think the talent is still there. And I don't think as bad as he was defensively, man, you know how bigs are. It's whether it's justified or not, when bigs don't get the shots, they think, I don't care if you play at the park. When bigs, you ask them to rebound and play defense, but you don't give them the damn ball as much as they think they deserve it. They don't play defense. They just don't. And some bigs, you can't you can't pigeonhole all of them. Well, Ain't was real happy to play some defense. Like, <laughs> he was real happy to play some defense. Gobert, he's another one. Like, let me be clear: the big, the bigs that think they have an offensive bag. Let me okay. let me be clear. That, that's, that's let me be clear. And Porzingis obviously thinks he has an offensive bag. Fucking Dwight Howard thought he had an offensive bag. And I just think, man, bigs like that that you ask to, especially like. Our team was literally built around Christos Porzingis. Then as much as I, tall man pisses me off up until last year, he's been pretty much a, an elite rim protector his whole time in the league. If you just ask him to stand in front of the rim and you ain't putting him in space, he did that shit pretty good until last year. Um, and we built our team around him being able to do that. So you give him off season to work on it. Maybe he just does it out of spiteness and pettiness. And he is, is, as big as his ego is, he's very, very aware of himself. Like, he's too aware of himself sometimes, in my opinion. And I think he knows he looked like ass last year. And that's why he's going to take it so personal. And um, I don't know. I don't. I, it won't shock me at all if Porzingis looks like night and day better defensively and just balls out to start the year. I still trade his ass, though, because mm-hmm. I think that because Lucas petty, too. And Luke ain't, Lucas listened to them same interviews we did. And anybody as competitive as he is like, man, fuck that dude. 
I know what he said. You know, he he caught them shots. So I think uh, I think we stuck with OKP. But if we do trade him from every fake KP trade I've heard, including the ones we just had, I think we stuck with him at least till the trade deadline. I think the earliest he's leaving Dallas is around the trade deadline next year. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's here to start the season. And that's, I'm not mad at that because I, like I said, the bar is, you know, in hell for him in terms of production right now. And yeah, he had a good, like people keep bringing up his numbers. Like he had a, you know, 29 on the best efficiency of his career. Like people keep bringing that up saying that this was considered a down year for him. This is done the third. But it was considered a down year mainly because defense, you know, inconsistencies. And at the same time, bringing up those numbers, it was in a a role that was catered to what was best for the team. So it was somewhat of a reduced role. He didn't take as many shots. And he didn't like it. (laughs) So put up 20 and 9, great for him. But he did not like the the process. The results, you know, people are – you know, looking to the results and saying, hey, this worked, but he complained the whole time about the process. So it's not going to work full time if he doesn't like, if he doesn't like the way he's getting to, you know, an efficient 20 and nine, even though that's probably the best thing for the team, but he, you know, he clearly doesn't like the way he's getting to that. So I, I just think he's here to start the season and if if there are more reports about you know him and Lucas still not messing with each other and stuff like that, then I think definitely trade deadline he's out of there. But yeah. you know who knows? Maybe, yeah. real quick, maybe they patch things up and you know we move on. But yeah, I uh, while we've been sitting here talking, I just looked at like who led the league and basically the top fifty in shots per game. And man, I'm looking at this list. And there is maybe three or four dudes KP is even arguably better than that had more shots per game than he did. So I'm just like, bro, I don't see what, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, I don't, how many more shots? Like, he got 15 shots a game last year. And if he, let's say we get him three more shots a game, right? The only people who got 18 shots a game are Brandon Ingram, John Wall, Paul George, LeBron James, Colin Sexton, uh, Joker, Giannis, Julius Randle. Like, hey, man, you're not as, like, I'm talking about every member of the all-NBA team is pretty much above is in that 18 shots a game role. And it's like, my guy, who 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 do you think you are? <laughs> he clearly thinks he's in that group. So but he, I think I think more so two shots are obviously, you know, based on the team around too. So I yeah. think he thinks that he on on the Mavericks, he deserves more shots. You know what I mean? Like he, he probably thinks that way. But at the same time, this is a if if you know what if you're not creating your own shot. No one's going to spend half the game giving you the ball. You know what I mean? And trying to get you the ball where you can put the ball in the hoop. Like, that's just not going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for a majority of the game, that's not going to work. If you can't get the ball at the top of the key or even, 
in the post and really get busy with it. No one's going to give you the ball <laughs> more times than they need to. That's just not going to happen. It was like John Collins when he complained about, you know, Trey, you know, shooting the ball all the time. And that was, you know, Trey took some heinous shots, as does Luca sometimes. But at the same time, they're responsible for you getting your shots. And that's why you're kind of upset because you can't really do it on your own and have it benefit the team. I should add that part, too, because these guys, if you get them the ball, they can probably, you know, get their own shot. But it would be in my opinion, more more so to the detriment of the team than to the benefit of the team. So I these these bigs to me, they gotta they gotta fall in line. At the end of the day, it's a hierarchy in the league. It's a guard, you know, wing driven league. Bigs is it's not nineteen eighty four no more. <laughs> it's just not. It's just not. So if you're not getting busy with the ball like unassisted, I don't want to hear about shots. I really don't. That's I, I just don't. <laughs> SJ, I'm looking at this list and of players in the top 50 of shots per game. KP is by far the worst person in creating his own shot. Yes. Like, and I'm, this is, we talking about 50 dudes. Like, 50 dudes. And he, I'm looking at this list. Maybe, I mean, Malik Beasley is higher than him. Dylan Brooks get more shots. Them the only dudes that I would say, but they can dribble. They can. Those are chuckers too. That's what I'm saying. Those are those are those are the only two dudes where I'd be like, maybe if healthy KP is better at basketball than them, maybe. But everybody else is like, hey dog, they should get more shots than you. Every single player, they can dribble. They can create their own shot. I'm actually shocked looking. At, all right, you know what? I need to get off KP. We need to stop this because I'm starting to get angry again. But just actually looking at this in black and white is like, dog, you had no, how dare you? How fucking dare you, bro? Seriously. Listen, you have to stick a pin. Yeah, man, if I still had hair, it would be gone. Just <laughs> arguing about Chris Sounds Porzingis. Boy, I tell you. So, man, that's all I got. Uh, you want to hit the finals real quick? I think we, like, at an hour and 20 minutes already. Yeah, just for the finals, it's not going more than five. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, Suns son, got it. Congrats to – right now, It's I'm more invested in the drama of who's going to be finals MVP. Yeah. It's like last year. I think it was kind of like we knew the Lakers were winning. It's like, oh, who's going to win finals MVP? You know, LeBron or AD? I think it's the same thing this year. You know, CP threw a book. Well, CP3 did some nasty finals MVP hunting. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it dude. It was very shameless. Devin Book was on fire, and Chris Paul said, It's my time to shine. And he was making sure, under all costs, that Book was not getting to 40. <laughs> dude, dude it, was, it, it was shameless. Shameless. I was so furious because I want Milwaukee to win, and CP3. Finals MVP hunting. If if dog if if Middleton and Drew could throw it in a goddamn ocean, that was a that just what CP3 pulled with that shit. He missed three straight shots, and they wasn't even like good shot. I think he missed three shots and turned the ball over. Like yeah. there we go. That was four possessions with a. I think it was an eight, ten to eight point game. It's like fam, that that was your window right there, right there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. 
I, I hate to say it. I thought the Suns was going to win, but now that it's happened, it's, I'm legitimately bothered by it. I ain't going to hold you. Yeah, no, I, I saw it going. I gave the Bucks at least two games. I said six, but yeah, no, it's looking like the Suns are two. They they know exactly who they are. They they just they're deep. They have a lot of guys that can just go, and the team is really well coached. Like they all know what they're supposed to do. They they, they they don't ask anybody in the rotation to do something that they're not good at. Exactly above their meat. Exactly. They, exactly. they they ask them to do. Hey, you are good at this. You only do this over and over and over again. And that is that's like I don't even think the Suns are necessarily like super duper talented. They're just built so well that you go on the other end and it's like, dog. Chris Mid and Drew really can't dribble that good. Like, they not dudes that can just get to the hole like that, but they're asked to do that over and over and over again, and they just not built for it. Exactly. And I would say overall, net net, Milwaukee, you know, with Giannis fully healthy, may have more quote unquote talent, but Milwaukee is built so poor. I won't say built poorly. It's just. They don't have enough. They don't. Yeah. They don't have enough. Like as much as they're talented, they like their bench stinks. Like I, I, I always thought their bench stunk. Like from the beginning of the year when I saw that they really didn't have depth, I was like, yeah, the bench stinks. And last year they had a pretty, you know, decent bench. So yeah, off bench depth, and you know, Bleds. We come to find out, Holiday is not that much of an upgrade over Bled. So like, yeah, he plays better defense, but he he's not doing anything crazy that Bledsoe wasn't doing. So that's that. Middleton is still, you know, a super role player. He's going to be MJ, you know, <laughs> in the, in Milwaukee, but he's going to be a bum on the road. So they just don't have enough. And like you said, I, I agree with that point. In Phoenix, no one's playing above their heads in Phoenix. No, no, no. Like, it's literally do exactly what you're good at. Anything you're bad at, we literally aren't going to ask you to do it. Not even, not even for five minutes a game. Not even when we have people who are injured. Just do what you do more. It, it's 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 a really nice. James Jones did his thing, and Monty. Oh, the gambler called him an idiot. But anyway, we're gonna get off that. SJ, that's all I got. I think. Oh, let me get my official prediction. I do think there's gonna be a Chris Middleton nuclear game, and I, I think. think- and I, and I think there's going to be a CP3 fold-up game. So I still think it's going six. But it's like, it's not a, six sounds competitive, but it's never really competitive. Does that make sense? Yeah, no. So, and I think the Chris Middleton nuclear game happens tonight. Um, and I can even see, like, Phoenix going up 3-1 after next game. Then the Chris Paul, because the thing with Chris Paul in his like games where he can eliminate another team, he usually tries to do too much. He always has. That's just kind of his thing. So I think that's going to happen game five. And then it even goes like uh, Phoenix is up 3-2. We going back to Milwaukee. And then they just better than them. And they wrap it up in, in six. That's how I see it happening. Um, it may not happen in that order, but I think those events are going to take place to result in a six-game series. Yeah, that that sounds about right. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. 
That's all I got. You got anything else, ma'am? Nope. All right, y'all. We're going to go ahead and wrap this up. This is another episode of 21 Going On 77. I am Dwight at the numbers 5172. That's the, the word T-O and the numbers 214. Uh, those are area codes, by the way. Area code where I was born to the area code where I live at. And uh, that's that's my ad on Twitter. And I um, completed this episode with my host or co-host, I should say, Young SJ Basketball at SJ Basketball and the number eight, all one word. That is her Twitter ad as well. Appreciate it for y'all listening to another episode and we will holler at y'all next week. Peace.